Well, it is a delight to welcome you here this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we welcome those who are online in our live stream this morning. I want to say a special welcome to any college students that are with us this morning. Earlier this week, we got a, a call from a freshman student who is planning to be here a little bit later in our 11 o'clock service, and we're just, just very delighted that you've joined us. Uh, Lord willing, uh, Fall Fest will occur this uh, week, and uh, we will be in the Academic Mall on Tuesday, so we invite you to come by our table if you happen to see us. Crew will be um, in the Academic Mall on Monday, and I hope that you have an opportunity to uh, stop by the crew table. They have a fantastic ministry to college students. Many college students thrive in their Christian faith uh, during the years that they're here at NMU because of the ministry of crew. And uh, so grateful to hear that they've been able to have some meetings and the student that called here had already been there on Thursday night for the crew meeting. And so uh, the Lord will really bless your life if you are involved in that ministry. So I do welcome you very much today. <clears throat> well, many of us know that <clears throat> J.I. Packer recently passed away, and he was one of the most influential Christians of our time. He was the general editor of the translation. I'm holding in my hands the English Standard Version, and he said his work on the ESV was the crowning achievement of his life. Perhaps his most famous book is Knowing God. And I want to share some classic words from Packer about that subject. Listen to what he had to say. Once you become aware that the main business that you are here is for to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. And then this. There is no peace like the peace of those whose minds are possessed with full assurance that they have known God and God has known them. And then these questions and answers. What were we made for to know God? <clears throat> what aim should we set ourselves in life to know God? What is the eternal life that Jesus gives knowledge of God. What is the best thing in life? Knowledge of God. What in man gives God the most pleasure? Knowledge of God himself. I think most of us would say this morning those things are true. That Packer was correct. And so this morning, uh, connected to that, I want to begin a series of sermons that I'm just entitling, Knowing God. These sermons come from Psalm 139. Now, Psalm 139 is a celebration of the attributes of God, the big ones, the attributes that make God God. And this morning, we are going to begin by looking at God's omniscience. And so I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 139. And I want to make a statement here that comes from one of my teachers who knew the Psalms very well. And I want you to listen to what he said. He said, what we have here in Psalm 139 is perhaps the most intimate psalm of all. Now, I want you to think about that. This psalm was not written simply so that we would know about God, but that we would know Him. We would experience Him. 
and we would have a personal relationship with him. And so mark that in your minds as we go through this series together. Now I'm going to read verses 1 to 6, which is the text we'll be looking at this morning. And David is going to answer three questions for us about the omniscience of God. And so let me read the verses as you follow along this morning in God's word. O Lord, you have searched and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge, it's too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Now, the very first question that David answers for us about God's omniscience is found in verse 1, and it is the question, what is God's omniscience? What is God's omniscience? And I believe in verse 1, we have a summary statement of what that omniscience means, and let me give you this definition. God's omniscience is God knowing all things, past, present, and future. It is God knowing all things, past, present, and future. Now immediately in verse 1, we are faced with an anthropomorphism about God. Now that is simply a big word that means God is described in human terms. Because God is so different from us, because he is so high above us and beyond us, he describes himself in human language. Uh, My old professor, Norman Geisler, used to say the language of the Bible is analogical. And what he meant by that is God uses analogies and comparisons so that we can understand him as human beings. And immediately, that's what we know is going on in verse 1, because God never searches for knowledge. Am I right this morning? God never searches for knowledge, but obviously we do. Uh, Every college student knows what a research paper is, right? Uh, By the way, I'm very sorry to bring that up so early in the semester, okay? All right? But we all know you cannot write a research paper until you have the knowledge. And so, students, what do you have to do? Study, study. Study, study, and study some more. But God's omniscience means he is an expert in every subject. God never has to do research. God doesn't study to know. He just knows. So God could sit down and write any paper imaginable with no study. So then what does verse 1 mean here? What verse 1 means here is this. God's knowledge of David is as though he did exhaustive research on him. It is a complete knowledge. Now, one of the uh, best definitions I have ever read of the omniscience of God came from Pastor A.W. Tozer. This is a classic definition, and let me share it with you. God has never learned from anyone. God cannot learn. 
Could God receive into his mind knowledge that he did not possess, he would be imperfect and less than himself? God knows instantly and effortlessly all matters. Because God knows all things perfectly, he knows no thing better than any other thing, but all things equally well. He never discovers anything. He is never surprised never amazed, he never wonders about anything, nor does he ever seek information. That's the omniscience of God. Now, David knows that a picture is worth a thousand words. And so the second question that he answers here for us is, what are some illustrations of God's omniscience? And he gives to us four illustrations. Now, before we look at them, I want to ask this question of you this morning. Why these? Why these? Why doesn't God tell us about his knowledge of black holes? How much water is in the oceans? How many grains of sand are on the seashores of the world? Does God know all those things? Would it be fascinating to know those things? Why does God not tell us about them instead about these? And it's because of the third question David is going to answer. So we'll hold it until then, but let's look at the illustrations, okay, of God's omniscience. Number one, God knows our actions. He says in verse 2, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. Now those two phrases, sit down and rise up, are figurative language that express completeness. In the Old Testament, when you have two opposites in a sentence, it is designed to include all in between. So the idea here is God knows every move we make. By the way, isn't this where our knowledge stops? This is where our knowledge stops. I see your actions. You're here sitting today. You have been singing. You're now listening. You're worshiping God. You see my actions. But God's knowledge goes further because the second thing we learn here is God knows the motives behind our actions. Look at verse 2. You discern my thoughts from afar. Now, I can see what you are doing. By the way, it's amazing what you can see from this vantage point on a Sunday morning. But God's knowledge goes deeper. He knows why. This little phrase, from afar, is a very important phrase for us to understand what God is saying. It has two possible uses. It can mean from afar in space or from afar in time. And some say, okay, this means from afar in space, so that even though God is far away from us, he still knows our thoughts. But you know what the problem with that is? It would contradict the next section of verses, verses 7 to 12, because that section says God is always present with us. We can never be out of his presence. So it is likely that this means afar in time. 
God knows our thoughts from afar in time. So let me ask you this question. God knows our thoughts when? Before we do, right? Before we do. This must mean God knows our decisions before we make them. That's why I added three little words to the definition of God's omniscience, God's knowing all things, past, present, and future, because would you agree with me? If God knows our decisions before we're going to make them, God must know the future, right? That's clearly what is being said. Now notice the third thing that God knows in verse 3. God knows our daily routine and our habits. He says, you search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. Now again, this expression, my path and my lying down, literally my going out and my lying down, is another figure that expresses completeness. The idea is God knows our daily activities and our routine, and this includes our habits, because the word ways here is a reference to our conduct, our behavior, including our habits. Now clearly this is where our knowledge stops. I know what you are doing right now and you know what I'm doing. But I have no idea where you're going to eat lunch today. I don't know who you're going to eat lunch with. I don't know your activities later on in the afternoon. You can probably guess I'm going to take a nap later in the afternoon. But you, don't laugh that loud, all right? <laughs> but you don't know when. And you don't know how long. And you don't know this afternoon if I might skip my Sunday afternoon nap. But you know what? Something else I don't know. I don't know your habits and you don't know mine. I don't know if you have mostly good habits and just a few bad habits. I don't know if you have uh, many bad habits. And for the vast majority of us right now, I don't know if you are in bondage to habits right now that are harming you or harming others. I don't know those things, but who does? God knows it all. And then notice the fourth illustration, verse 4. God knows our words. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Now this is a prime example of God's knowledge because David saves it for last. He is absolutely amazed that he saves this one for last. And I want you to notice what God knows about our words. He knows all our words because he says you know it all together. Think about that. Not just some, but all. We all have two types of conversations, private and public. 
And we have private conversations because we don't want certain people to know what we are saying. And so we say things in private, but we say other things that we want everyone to know in public. But is there any private conversation to God? No. He knows everything said in public, but also in private. And then go a step deeper. He knows all our unspoken words. Verse 4 says, Before a word is on my tongue. God knows our words before we say them. So this very much then coincides with verse 2, that he knows our thoughts. And then thinks, think about this. God also knows what we would have said, but we didn't say, because when he says, before a word is on my tongue, he clearly means he knows our unexpressed thoughts. Hey, haven't all of us been grateful for the times we didn't say something? We have all at times said, I shouldn't have said that. And then there's been other times when we thought, I would like to say this, but I'm not going to. And later on we thought, I'm glad I didn't say it. Uh, one day I was in a black neighborhood and I stopped in at McDonald's. And a black man cut in front of me and took his order ahead of me. And you can't believe the thoughts I had about this man. I thought, this is racism. You're dissing the white boy in the restaurant. And then he finished with his order and he turned and looked at me and he said, did you order your food? And, and I said, no, I didn't. He said, well... I'm sorry. He said, I thought you had ordered. And then I realized he thought I was waiting to get my food, not to order my food. And I thought to myself, oh, am I glad he doesn't know my thoughts. Think about this. God knows what we would have said, even if we didn't say it. Uh, can I ask a question this morning? How many feel a little exposed here this morning? How many are kind of thinking like maybe David is? God's got my number? Are you feeling that way? That's how David is feeling. And that's why uh, as we move to this last question... What difference does this make? Why should we know a God like this who knows us this well? What difference does it make? This is why God is not telling us here about black holes or how much water is in the ocean or how many sands are on all the seashores in the world. You know what? If He told us about those things, we would be impressed. But, hear me, we might not be impacted. We might say, wow, look what God knows, how fascinating it is. God is not the least bit interested in impressing us without impacting us. 
His desire is to know us so well that He changes us. And that's why the focus is what He knows about us. Now David then answers the last question in verses 5 and 6. What difference does the omniscience of God make? And I want to tell you it makes a big difference. Number one, take God very, very seriously. Take God very, very seriously. Is a God like this a big deal? Let me ask that again. Is a God like this a big deal? Yes. Look at verse 5. You have me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Now that expression, to lay the hand upon, it is a very vivid expression. It refers to cupping the hand and pressing something down. Like cupping the hand over a bug on a table. Who hasn't done that? Who hasn't trapped a fly on a table or uh, trapped a, a beetle on a table? David feels overwhelmed. He feels, I'm so much under God's scrutiny, I can't escape. God is so much in control, I cannot evade this God. Do you know what, brothers and sisters, we could look at it like this this morning. If you knew everything there is to know about me, you would not want me in this pulpit this morning. If you knew all my thoughts, my words, if you knew all of my selfish actions, you would say to me, Pastor, I know too much. I can't listen to you. But let me hasten to add, if I knew everything about you, I wouldn't want to listen to you either, would I? But who does know all about us? Who does? God. You know what Hebrews 4.13 says? Every creature is not hidden but is naked and laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we have to give account. And in 2 Corinthians 5.10 it says this, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things we have done in the body, whether good or evil. Let me ask you, is that a God to take seriously? Is that a God to take seriously? It is. One of the reasons you want to get to know God better is it will help you to take Him more seriously in your life. The more you know God, the more you will realize He is a big deal and the more seriously you will take Him. Notice the second difference this makes. Secondly, worship God in awe and wonder. Worship God in awe and wonder. Look at verse 6. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Now this expression, it is high, again is very vivid. It refers to high walls that you cannot see over. Who hasn't been in a place where the wall was too high and you wondered what's on the other side? And you got up on your tippy toes. And you still couldn't see. David is saying God's omniscience is beyond me. It is unreachable. It is unattainable. I cannot comprehend a God like this. The more I learn about this God, David is saying, the more I am blown away. Again, Dr. Geisler used to say this to us in class, the Bible never goes against our reason, but it often goes beyond our reason. The Bible never goes against our reason, but it goes often beyond our reason. He used to say we can understand the what, but we often cannot understand the how. And that's true. We all know the what here today. God is all-knowing. We all know the what the Bible is teaching. But let me ask this question. Do we understand how? Can you explain to me how God has never learned? Can you explain how He has never been surprised? And then who can uh, get up here today and teach us about this... God knows today, but he also knows equally well tomorrow, and yet tomorrow has not happened yet. There's nothing there yet to know. Who can explain this? See, we know the what. We don't know the how. You know what? The more we learn about God, the more we agree with Billy Graham. There are many things in this book that I do not fully understand. Amen? This morning? But that's why we worship Him. That's why we worship Him. Listen, if you want to be a worshiper of God, become a knower of God. Because the more you know about God, the more you will be in awe of Him, and the more you will worship. Thank you, by the way, for those meaningful songs we sang today that are so rich and teach us about God. Because the more we know about God, the more we will be in awe of Him, the more we will worship Him. Now, there's a third difference God's omniscience makes. Number three, and finally, Realize God wants intimacy with you. Realize God wants intimacy with you. Here's a little exercise you can do on your own. Count how many times in verses 1 to 6 the words me, my, and I occur. How many times? David says, Lord, you know me, you know mine. It's I that you know. How many times? You ready? Thirteen times. And the word know that is used several times in these verses, it means to know intimately as a friend. It means to know personally. 
It even has the idea of to choose. God knows David so thoroughly, yet he still chooses him for relationship. By the way, isn't that one of the greatest wonders in this passage of all? Isn't it? God knows all about you, but he still wants you. He wants to know you intimately. You see, God is not trying to impress us with his knowledge. He's trying to impact us like friend to friend. God is not telling us these things so that we will say, oh, wow. He's telling us these things so our lives will change and we'll love him and serve him and obey him. Just a few hours before he died, Jesus said something absolutely amazing to his disciples. He said, no longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends. What a God. What a God. Knowing everything about us, He wants us. He chooses us that we might be intimate friends. What a God. What a God. Let's bow together in his presence, shall we? Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Do you know this God? Have you come into a personal relationship with him through Jesus Christ? Have you repented of all the ugly sins you know are against this God? And in faith come to the foot of the cross cried out for the mercy of the one who came to die for you and rise again for you, that by his shed blood and his resurrection life, you might be brought into God's family. And if you have any questions about that, that's why we're here. That's why we exist. Dr. Packer was right. We've been created to know God. And we want to help you if you don't. And then for those of us who know the Lord, are we knowing Him better? Are we learning more of Him? Are we seeking to walk with him in intimacy? 
putting aside perhaps the things that so easily distract us so that we can pursue the high calling, the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. And maybe this morning for many of us, we need to evaluate our lives. Do I take God seriously? Do I worship Him in awe and wonder? And do I realize He made me for intimacy with Him? And I'm going to pursue that. Lord, we will never fully understand you. We can know the what, but the how eludes us. But we thank you that you have made us for yourself, and the chief end of mankind is to know God and to enjoy him forever. And how amazed we are that you are that kind of God. We express our love to you today. But as always we know, it is because you have first loved us. For Jesus' sake, amen.